You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings all. Alan Seiler. Hello. And Veronica Daschel. Yo. <laughs> I think we just get a certain we just insert laugh there. <laughs> I'm trying to find my my signature. I'll put like a 1950s laugh track on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started with news really quick. Um, this is a thing that turned out to be not really news at all. Mike <laughs> Thorne, we're recording this on uh, April 20th, the day before on the 19th. Michael Dorn tweeted out, just got the news being summoned back into action. Starfleet calls. Now, we have no idea what that means, and uh, trekmovie.com has said that they have checked sources that they have at production studios and stuff, and has confirmed that whatever this thing is, it isn't anything related to the Paramount Plus shows or the recently recently announced movie. So whatever Dorney is doing, it must not be on television or screen. Um, Today, I guess it was, LeVar Burton was asked about a possible reappearance as Jordy, and he said, maybe. And news stories ran with it, saying that Jordy LaForge may be returning to Picard. (laughs) Which, not at all what he was saying. He was saying if he was asked to do it, he may do it. Um, I may may do it, too, in that case. (laughs) Well, if they asked me, I would certainly do it. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe Dorn is going to be the host of Jeopardy. No, <laughs> <laughs> just to mess with everybody. Oh, that is not correct. <laughs> no. Laura would not be happy about that. Um, uh, another thing, um, Anson Mount, while he was doing press to promote his new movie, The Virtuoso, was asked about the episodic nature of uh, Strange New Worlds, and he said, "Quote: Well, I think that Star Trek is by nature episodic." Now, that doesn't mean that Star Trek can't be other things. Star Trek can be a lot of things, as we've seen in every iteration of it. But classic Trek is really founded on the the big idea of the week. And the big idea of the week needs room to breathe. In serialized structure, you're going to take care of so many relationships, and there doesn't tend to be a lot of room for that. Now, with that said, I think Discovery does a phenomenal job with that structure, and I was very fortunate to be part of it. Normally, serialized is my taste as an actor, but this really felt like it needed to be episodic, and I'm wholly in agreement with him. Yeah. He also said that I have never felt such embrace from a fan base on anything I've done before, which oh, yeah, I think yeah. is really sweet. It's Star Trek, of course. Everyone loves him. Oh, absolutely. He was perfect in Discovery Season 2. Well, good recovery um, from the Inhumans. Right. Well, I'm sure that he didn't feel, yeah, exactly. He certainly didn't feel the embrace of a fandom in that one. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with him. He was great. Absolutely. The, yeah. the series was just trash. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it because I'm a huge Inhumans fan and I was so excited about that show. Um, but the big news story from the past week is the passing of Freeman Silla. Um, he was born January 11th, 1937, and passed away April 16th, uh, just a week ago. And in his, his Trek connection is that he played a Telosian in The Cage, the very first Star Trek. Um, but viewers would know him from playing Cousin It, uh, recurring role, mm. Puff and Stuff, and Lidsville, which were two of my favorite shows growing up. Lucifer on the original Battlestar Galactica. Tweaky in... Uh, Buck Rogers, he played an Ewok in Return of the Jedi, um, and he also had like single roles in The Monkees, Planet of the Apes, Bewitched, and lots of other things. He was a trained circus performer and tour- toured with uh, Ringling Brothers for years before becoming a stuntman in Hollywood. So, wow, full thing. life, full career. Yeah. 
Yeah, I met him briefly when we were both guests at Treklanta one year. This is probably eight or nine years ago, and he was he was nice. We chit chatted. It was it was raining outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole story. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, That's, it. That's it for the news this week. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, now, Keith, you've got some. Uh, Today in Trek or this week in Trek? Or? Yeah, actually, I, I actually had to localize it to just one day, April 20th, because there's a lot going on for the week of April 20th, um, surprisingly. So I don't know what's so special about this day. But looking at episode things on in April 20th, way back in 1965, the story for the original series episode, The Omega Glory, was submitted and finalized. For those who may remember, that's the one where Kirk and Spock, Kirk and company beam down to a planet that has been ravaged by a plague that has turned and has resulted in people living to be hundreds of years old. And it's probably most remembered as a war, a world in which the United States of America evidently fought a war, but what was basically communist China and the communist Chinese won. And it is recognizable for the almost caveman-like yeah, Americans at the end of the show are taught by Kirk how to say the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> or, 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 or read the Declaration of Independence, which is funny because William Shatner is a Canadian and he said he really had trouble remembering his lines to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of the best episodes of the original series. I think it's one of those that has an incredible start and incredible premise. And then it kind of fades off toward the end, depending on your mileage yeah, may vary on the episode. Yeah, yeah. Not bad, just fun. Um, 1967, the original series, which we'll be looking at, Friday's Child premiered. Oh. Uh, those fans may know that is the one where Kirk and company go down to a really primitive planet where all the warriors throw these really strange blade-like frisbee things. And Julie Newmar stars as the wife of the former ruler of this tribe of people. And Kirk and company must fight off Klingons for the lithium crystals on the planet. Um, also, it's a very interesting show in that they do some things that people may think of as weird. There's a scene that I always remember where when Kirk and Spark were on the run from the, um, the tribesmen that the Klingons stirred up, they attack with bows and arrows. And Kirk actually makes a point saying this will come as a surprise to them because they never invented the bow. And I always thought that was a, I, I don't know if there's a violation of the Prime Directive because they're already there, space people bargaining for their rocks. So maybe that's okay. <laughs> it's the only episode I think where the ship's doctor hits a pregnant lady. That was the other thing. You're right. Yeah, that's that doesn't go down very well nowadays, does it? And then, as in keeping back, and then she loved him after it. She respected him for it, which is, eh, that doesn't go down very well now. No. Uh, yeah, that, don't that, try this be, at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that'd be written now. They should probably stab him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> other things going on in this time in um, 1992 um, the next generation um, cost of living episode air that's the famous one where La watch sana troy comes back to the enterprise and bonds with Worf's sons alexander with whom Worf was not able to establish much of rapport noted for the end where they're all sitting in mud because Loaxana tells Worf he needs to learn to relax it's it's a <laughs> it's a funny scene and in my opinion an otherwise really forgettable episode other than that um in 1993 D ds9 season one wrapped first season of ds9 rap filming we had a lot of stuff going out that time april 20th 1994 filming on generations was going on as well as 1998 filming on, on the film Insurrection was going on. And in 1999, final filming wrapped on the DS9 season ender or series ender, What You Leave Behind, which wow. we discussed briefly last week. One of the, I'd say, my opinion, the best of the finales. Also on April 20th, we, we had a few birthdays. Kind of interesting. April 20th, 1937, one George Decay was hey. born. Yeah, who George. everybody knows. Yeah, George. Everybody knows this Captain Sulu. And oh I'm going to leave it there as Captain Sulu, right? Also born on April 20th is American fantasy writer Peter S. Beagle. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Now, some might know him as the author of what became the basis for the cartoon The Last Unicorn, the animated film, which is pretty good. He also wrote the screenplay for the animated film version of Lord of the Rings by Ralph Bakshi which is a really good one, a different one, a little different from the ones you've seen. But 
Interestingly, that screenplay and that animated version of Lord of the Rings became the basis that for the films that Peter Jackson did. He said that was a huge inspiration for his desire to bring Lord of the Rings to film. Mm. The other thing, however, the Star Trek connection is Peter S. Beagle wrote the telepay and script for the TNG episode, Sarek. Hooray. Yeah, who showed the return of Spock's father yeah. to TNG. And one more notable birthday, April 20th, 1959, one Clint Howard was born. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Director Ronnie Howard's younger brother, uh, notable to Star Trek fans for his appearance as Baylock in the original series, The Coral Knight Maneuver, one of the best of all, one of the funniest, creepiest characters, I think, in Star Trek history. Yeah. The, the, the Tranya drinking guy with the funny laugh. Howard has the distinction of having appeared, however, in four different incarnations of Star Trek. He appeared in the original series. He also appeared as a Ferengi muck, M-U-K, in the TNG episode Acquisition. He played a homeless guy who seemed to be mentally unstable in the DS9 episode Past Tense. It's the one where Cisco and company went back in time and became involved in the Bell Riots. And people might know him most recently. He appeared briefly in Discovery. Will you take my hand? And he is listed in some places as the creepy Orion guy. <laughs> I think with Clint Howard, you can just say guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Orion guy. All right. And last date on this day, 1988, um, Star Trek Discovery alum Noah Averbach. Averbach Katz. Katz, thank I you. I practiced this a lot before we had yes. him on and still messed it up. Yeah. <laughs> who, was, who, was, who was a guest on our podcast? This is his birthday. So happy birthday, Noah. Hey, happy birthday, Noah. Yay. Yeah. Tonight. So yeah, everyone should go back and listen to our episode where we interviewed him. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. He's great. He, he is, is great. Fantastic guy. Such a sweetie. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, And that's Keith. it. You bet. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break to promote our, one of our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. And when we get back, we're all going to find out brain and brain. What is brain? <laughs> <laughs> the kid and I have flown from one side of the galaxy to the other. We've been listening to a lot of strange podcasts, but the monster sci-fi show stands above the rest. Isn't that right, Grogu? I still hate that name. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. All right, we're back. And tonight we're going to be doing a watch along um, of Spock's Brain, the first, se- uh, the first episode of season three of the original series. Um, we've got it queued up right now on Paramount Plus, and so if you're not ready, go ahead and pause this and get it set up, or you can just listen along and guess at what we're reacting to. And I'll hit play in three, two, one, and it worked. Look at that. Yeah, it's the CGI version. Yeah. Wow. You know, I I gotta say that completely stumped me. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> What's in the wrong show? <laughs> yeah. In, in a lot of ways, I prefer the original series with the original effects sometimes. I I, pr- I mostly do. I, I do mm-hmm. like when they were able to do different ships, you know, fill in ships that they couldn't do in the original series. Right. And digital map paintings, I think, often work very well, like Flint's Castle and things like that. I think mm-hmm. very right. effective uses. But generally, I think I just prefer the old special effects. Yeah, me too. I, I was updated when they're done well. Yeah, right. And generally, they were all done well on TOS. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like what they say about um, stop motion. It it looks fake, but feels real. Right. True. Yeah, well, especially when it goes all grainy, because I mean, like when you when you on the old shows, you'd cut to a, a an airplane flying by and it would go all grainy because it right. was stock footage. So right. it makes you feel have that same sort of feel to me. <laughs> Yeah, to this day, that, that that drives me crazy when I'm watching his old shows like World War II things and stuff. You're right. And there's it look, there's one look and then all of a sudden, like, hey, you can see it was inserted in there. Right. Right. Like half of every um, um, Ed, Ed Wood movie. Yes. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of things to let you know this is season three. Scotty's got that funky season three hairstyle. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he I just looks it. odd. I thought he looked off, but That's I couldn't it. tell if it was just because I was remembering the Scotty from the movies or. No, he had a really weird, funky high st- hairstyle for much of season three. Yeah. Oh, here we go. He's beaming in. Dig those video effects. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I'm willing to find out. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things, if you didn't know what year or what decade this was filmed in, her appearance alone would tell you. The that boots, is true. The hairstyle, the dress, that is everything. So you're saying this isn't a timeless look. <laughs> not quite <laughs> but everything is cyclical and that look will come back around and this will yes. be modern this is not funny but this is one of my favorite scenes i think Uhura, i mean uh nurse chapel is going to give a great fall there yeah. she goes bam bam beautifully done <laughs> yeah she nailed it though she <laughs> hit her mark she, i mean she did some serious acting there and they had to There's plan a, that stuff too because those cameras were heavy and hard to move yeah, exactly. And given that the camera was on her the whole time, she could have injured herself. If she had fallen yeah. wrong there. Yeah, another it looked good on print. They would have kept it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he had now, brain. Since this is the question I have, since this is such an incredibly classic and well-known episode, do any of y'all did any of y'all possibly first see this and not know what was coming at all? Yeah, uh, were you I was surprised by. I, I was probably ten when I watched. Okay, it. I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure I saw this before I saw the Wonder Years bit that <laughs> that parodied it, parodied it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I it's watching Star Trek is like going too far back in my memory to really remember my first impressions of much. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. I mean, I watched uh, after I became a Trekker. In 1982, uh, when my friends dragged me to see Wrath of Khan, and then I went back and started, you know, filling in the the blanks. I mean, I saw everything, but I mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, what each episode was going to be about before I watched it, and what the reputation of it was before I watched it. So this was However, actually I don't have any recollection of seeing this the first time. Ah. Veronica, have you seen this? Um, I assume I probably have. Oh, I have this happen. lovely thing where I forget things and yeah. um, so then I rewatch the episode and I'm like, hey, this thing's kind of familiar, but it's new enough. Yeah. And I think I'm watching a new show. You <laughs> might be <laughs> cool. Spring. Yeah. 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 That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I, I saw this first time and I was probably somewhere between seven and nine years old. It was completely new to me at the time. So I can remember taking in some of the technology and the things that were cool to, um, after watching this show, Ion Drives, for example, was almost magical to me yeah. because they made such a big deal out of it in this show. It's interesting how when the lights come on, everybody woke up at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Like the field wore off or something. Yeah. That's what you I know, say. You must little, have pushed her little button like wherever she is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Little, I forgot to turn it back on. Yeah. Little, little touches I missed, you know, she had the two security guards standing by the turbo lift door, which was so common in the original series and wasn't used that much after that. Yeah. They had them for a couple of the first seasons of TNG. And after that, they kind of got rid of it. I always loved seeing that. It makes you feel a little more like it's a like it's a military ship like or like right. a, a service, you know, exactly. Coming up is one of the strangest lines when Kirk jumps McCoy and asks him, are you a doctor or aren't you? I don't understand that. I guess he's frustrated. Well, yeah, he's frustrated. Yeah, I would expect <laughs> Spock's brain's gone. <laughs> I mean, come on. We need that. His brain's are gone. You, and are you a, funny, a doctor? It's a funny question to ask him, too, because every opportunity he had, he told him, I'm a doctor, Jim, not a. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, it was just it was just it seemed weird. It was almost like a hyperbolic, melodramatic acting. From Shatner? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Never. It is this season three, after all. Yeah. I always love looking at um, all the stuff that you don't ever get to focus on in sick bay. You know, the the instrument panels on the walls and things like that. I'm always fascinated by that kind of stuff. The the set decorations are really, really neat in this show. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing how much they do with... 
because they know what's going to be out of focus most of the time. So yeah. it'll be something very simple, you know, plywood right. with lights coming through it and lines drawn on it. And yeah, don't question it. Just, it's just, oh, it, it, it looks totally convincing on screen. Yeah. All right. And speaking of uh, Corbin might maneuver, notice over Scotty's shoulder, those cool block things that um, yeah. McCoy made Kirk use to test his uh, physical fitness. Yeah. Yeah. You lie, you lie on your back and pump them up and down like some kind of crazy exercise bike. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would make me sick. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. But you know, to your point, Alan, it's, it's interesting you talk about it. It's so funny. This is a show that was famous for using, um, gosh, a, a regular microphone for a white sound device and recycling yeah. Nomad into the Romulan into the cloaking device, but. Oh, yeah. But they sure, I'll tell you what, they got more mileage out of the effects and the plywood and stuff than just about anybody. It's, oh, yeah. They, yeah. they did a phenomenal job with it. Because it's so yeah. much like a stage production. Yeah. Because you know, everything's a little more dramatic. It's not it, naturalized acting wasn't really the thing yet, you know? So you, right. you could have simple sets and very dramatic. And you just feel like you're watching a, a production to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's absolutely right. And in particular, you know, when you watch British television, British TV very definitely evolved out of the tradition of the theater. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that, that tradition kind of carries on in American television, but it's not as intrinsic as it is on in British television. That's a good point. Cause well, Ron yeah. so many people here were, were television writers and it shows in a good way. Yeah. Veronica, if, in case you're not able to hear Spock's brain's gone. Yes. I assumed as much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's rare they just walk and walk across the, in front of a moving star field like that. I was doing that while exactly the same thing twice yeah. now. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a rare shot. Funny to have that happen and not have anybody say, get down in front of the te television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so, someone pause it. <laughs> yes. To your point, season three is pretty much um, talked about as the worst of the three series of the um, seasons of the original series, but they did do some. Every now and then they played around with some things like camera angles, like you're just talking about mm -hmm. um, different things they brought in. I kind of hate the music for season three, but um, they did a couple of things to experiment with. Oh, sure. Yeah, there, yeah I think it's a lot of gems in season three. But I mean, you mm -hmm. compare it if you're comparing them like season two started with a mock time and season three started with Spock's brain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One episode in and it's not stacking up. Exactly. You need to know. <laughs> exactly. It's interesting how much more dialogue bridge characters are getting in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Not everything. not there to talk about everything. That's a very good point. <laughs> that, that is a good point. That's a great yeah. point. Who's going to say all the dialogue? <laughs> Nimoy's not here. <laughs> Who is Shatner going to talk to? <laughs> talk to somebody. Right. I mean, it takes like six characters to fill in Spock. They, re they reference Sigma, Sigma Draconis in the new season of Discovery. Yeah, they did. Yeah, at one point when they're rattling off star systems, one was Sigma Draconis. Oh, like, hey, cool. the Ivors are there. That. I did not catch that. Good call. I like this whole thing. I Me like too. I like the style of the graphics. You know the yeah, the rear projection, all that. Right. And did you did you notice there was one planet that was completely out of the plane of the ecliptic? It was some wild <laughs> planet. Everybody was in one plane. And then there's this one um, oval or ellipse that is at like almost right angles to the rest of the solar system. Well, it looks it cool. like something you'd see like in an astronomy textbook or something or like a science Absolutely. book. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Chekhov's hair is cool because, you know, he had that mop hair for a while. The, yeah. the, the monkey's hair, monkey's yeah. beetle hair for a while. <laughs> His hair is cool now. <laughs> It always blew my mind that people, they actually thought that he was going to be like a young Davy Jones type. Mm -hmm. Yes. But then now even the people will mistake him, mistakenly swap the, uh, those two guys in memes and like, hey, one of those guys is Walter Koenig from Star Trek. He's not a monkey. It'd be like, you know, <laughs> the monkeys when they were in high school or something, and it'd be a picture of Walter Koenig instead. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> people still fall for it. So maybe, maybe they're onto something. Back <laughs> What does Walter do when he's in his off time, when he's not on the bridge and he's just kind of hanging around in his quarters? He's a hey, hey, we're the monkeys. You're you're stepping on uh, you're stepping on Alan's joke. Go ahead, Alan. Sorry. He's a daydream believer. Hey. <laughs> okay, that was better than me singing. Yes. 
he keeps leaning on on his whatever the equipment is called. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he ha- um Chekhov has a Uhura earpiece. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just Uhuras. They. Uh, she's the one that it. usually seems to wear it. Yeah. But they do. Um, talking about him leaning on the thing, they just it seems like everyone gets more comfortable with the equipment, more casual with it as the show goes on. That's for sure. Early on, you know, they would flip open the communicator very, and then by yeah. the end, Shatter just sort of flipped it like side flipping it and stuff, like not even thinking <laughs> about it. You, you wonder, one wonders what uh, Riker would have done with how he would have used that device to lounge around on. <laughs> I don't know, these chairs are pretty high. I'm, I'm worried about Riker. <laughs> You could be pretty agile with your with your leg lift. You better stretch, buddy. <laughs> He's so intense. Yeah, he is. Oh, it's a serious business. But this is this is very ensemble. Yeah, you know this whole bridge dynamic that we're seeing in this kind of extended scene here. It, it's it's almost it's not unique. But it doesn't happen very often in TOS, and this is really nice. I'm I really love this. Yeah, right. I like everybody having you know. Yeah, exactly. Sulu and whoever and everybody gets to get to talk. Yeah. What and, I also and, think is yeah, I agree. And what I also think is cool is um, even though again the show gets derided, they, like this matte painting is great. I'm sorry to interrupt yes, you. It is. Oh, that is okay. And I've never seen this before in the remastered version. So in, in the redone version, so this is new. Hey, I recognize that security guard over there on the left. Okay. Yeah, he was. Am he I died not, three episodes ago? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was zapped by um, Gary Seven's sonic screwdriver in Assignment Earth. What were you saying when I interrupted you, Keith? Sorry, I, I wanted to call out the map painting during two oh, seconds no, on screen. No problem. I was going to say one thing we were talking about for all the show gets derided for what becomes the bad science. There, to your guys' point, the conversation about the solar system and which planet to explore that was pretty intelligently written. Yeah, you know, they were yeah. they were talking about mm-hmm. um, scales of the civilizations and what equivalent Earth year it would be, and mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty uh, that was pretty fascinating. And then the whole thing again, the ion power. For years, I thought ion power was almost more uh, powerful than matter antimatter because they said, and here even they couldn't do ion power. I guess they meant on that level because we have ion drive spaceships now. Yeah. Um, in addition to the matte painting, all these sets look really great. Yeah, these sort of—I will say they do. These sort yeah. of like we're not really on location outdoor sets. Um, it's this, uh, so it, it, it's it's interesting to to note, and it's important to note that even in an episode that gets so much you know scorn dumped upon it, like this episode does, there's so much good <laughs> stuff within it. Yeah, although they can't do much to just these cavemen. <laughs> well, okay, that's why I was trying to draw your attention to other things. <laughs> Well, it's amazing too to see behind the scenes photos of how small that little cyclorama set was. Oh yeah, and just moving the rocks and getting different camera angles, and you yeah. never—I never feel it. I just feel like they're on a planet. But that's another thing when we were talking about um, stage. You know, this coming from like the tradition of stage. Right. When you use a set and you design it in a way that you can shoot it from different angles and it looks different each way, it maximizes your you know territory basically. Is really right. smartly done, and this whole uh, thing, you know, this this whole thing reminds me <laughs> of a Lost in Space set. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, especially the, the, like he said, the cavemen guys, they they feel very lost in space. Hey, they man. really do. So they, lost in space, they'd be pirates or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But this oh one, gosh. this season was produced by Fred Freiberger. Yeah. Yeah. Who was really, I think, really trying to get that feel, you know, yeah. he wanted to to make, I don't know, Star Trek more in line with some of the other shows that were happening. Yeah, I mean, this is the era when Batman was exactly. big, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a real beard and mustache. <laughs> I, I like the way all the caveman's hair has this, like, very neat... Um, the bangs. bangs and then very neatly cut <laughs> at just the right length right not savages. he's got a shirt too i mean they're not a caveman caveman they just are bearded i still think the givers of pain and delight thing is funny i'm sorry oh, it's hilarious <laughs> that's the women veronica oh i see 
<laughs> Sounds about right. There you go. <laughs> so not much happening in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Just a exposition scene. Well, this is where we right. find out Kirk is never going to stay on this planet. <laughs> women? What? What are women? Oh, never mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's get Spock and go. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Dude, he's terrified. I love this scene. When he takes off, it's hilarious. And there's one security guard that's trying to chase him down. I never really thought about it. You were saying earlier about the the uh, interesting camera angles and stuff. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was one right there. That yeah. that sort of, yes. sort of that close up of Chekhov. Yeah, stepped into frame to point out whatever the thing was. That was yeah. really cool, and I've really never thought about that before. Yeah, Freiburger or was it Free? How's it pronounced? Freiburger, Freiburger. I think it's he, Freiburger, but don't Freiburger. Yeah, he he tried some stuff. It's just you know, to your point, he in my opinion was trying to dumb it down into doing what so many people do, try to make it more exciting and more approachable to certain people. And I know after a while in this season, I think Gene Roddenberry was pretty much almost uh, almost disengaged from the show yeah. at this point. He was so upset about everything that went on. I, I think the. The cave elevator thing is cool too. I don't know. It that, is. The effect and the sound effect, I just like. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I love episodes that build uh when you are you build this alien world out of two extremely different uh yeah, yeah. aesthetics, basically. When you have the primitive and you have the advanced, yeah. and you they don't necessarily mix. Right. And you encounter one, you don't expect the other. Right. Yeah, it. watch uh, watch uh, when Chekhov when uh, Kirk orders Chekhov to stay behind. You'll he, you'll see the disappointment on Chekhov's face and in his voice. He kind of says, "Aye, Captain," because he really wants to go down and face the danger. Oh well, no, it's not that. It's that he's got so much <laughs> good screen time in this episode so far, and now he's going to stay back and not get any more screen time. Fine, Captain. You know, even as a seven or eight year old, I couldn't understand how those two or three buttons. Or four, five or six buttons did all this. <laughs> I guess. Bias. Right, left, up, down, forward, back. This is iconic, though. Like they yes. even copied it on uh, with the Vorta on the, and the Mag was it the Magnificent Ferengi? Yeah. When they were driving that dead Vorta around. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And of course, one wonders how they sketched, sketched the scalp back on and the hair is back in place and perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Now, Keith, you know, nobody watching at the time was thinking about that. <laughs> well, I was. <laughs> Keith's writing a letter. Little <laughs> <laughs> <you> Keith. <laughs> yeah. But you got to remember, I had just watched like Frankenstein the week before. And boy, you could tell somebody cut on his head. Yeah. I love the sound here too. Yeah, and they all do the good drop like they're falling except right. Spock. Right now, this is a cool scene too. I love this right here when he he's like, we might as well. And also, he will say he wears the way he says the word comfortable. And I love these zaps that rock with the phaser. Yeah. That would be really hot. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> right. Going like that, you're a little close, pal. <laughs> <laughs> And then Scotty talks about the ion power again. Hmm. And Nimoy is like, wait, I just have to stand here and not learn any lines? Done. Yeah. Sign Boy, me. I know over the years he talked about this episode and he said he was actually embarrassed by it. He was he was alternately pissed off by it, embarrassed by it. Sometimes he had to, he said he sometimes had to keep him just busting out laughing. <laughs> You look at it. <laughs> she wasn't quick enough. <laughs> this episode also uses that other phaser effect quite a lot. That that phaser yeah. burst where you don't see the beam. Right. Yeah, I think it's cheaper right. that way. Yeah. Has a cool sound effect. Yeah. But this is that thing where you step from one world into a totally different world. I right. love that dichotomy. I love that transition. Yeah, same here. 
I love to look yeah, at the future world that. too, or the high tech stuff, the high tech hallway and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Alan. Uh, I was just going to say that now we look like we're just in every other Star Trek episode. <laughs> we're yeah. I was just thinking that those corridors looked a lot like the Enterprise corridors. They're not the Enterprise corridors. It, like Romulan, Berta, Romulan, or the Romulan ship, though. Mm. They, they look. They look like a lot of corridors on, um, gosh, what's the one? Uh, a Taste of Armageddon. Yeah, they, they look like that go. one. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. set pieces that they have yeah. and they just use yeah. them whenever they need them for whatever and dress them differently and light them differently. Yeah. And you just got to dig that funky 60s aesthetic with the with the colors, the, the pastels, the pinks and the purples, whatever these exact tones are. I still have never quite understood the logic of why the women were down and the men stayed up and turned into cavemen. I mean, I know what they tried to say. It just didn't make sense to me. Well, the men, men wouldn't look as good in the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who you ask. It, it does depend on who you ask. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it just seems so. It seems it's a weird society. The men stayed up and did, I guess, what they would consider manly things back then. They turned into cavemen, and the women are wearing go-go boots downstairs. Mm-hmm. I like how he's sort of unsettled talking to Spock with Spock standing right there. <laughs> Keeps looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? This is weird. That is funny. Even for us. <laughs> I like how her boots connect someplace. Oh, this is funny. What are you doing to Spock? Where is Spock? Bam. Then she zaps him. She's much faster on the... the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why she's in charge. Exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, Veronica, the same thing happened on the Wonder Years once. Mm. Because it's so iconic, right? Yeah. It is kind of targeted that young adolescent boy. Um, uh, or as they would have as they would have thought of that in the in the late 60s, you know, where like women are mysterious and dangerous. Right. right. Well, why is the woman feeding the men? I didn't. I never noticed that before. Because they're like, they're not servants. They're more like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. They're, and they, they, they give us they, a pain and delight. Yeah, the delight got, obviously is fruit. Yes, and they got that funky that fun, that uh, funky space food that you just love looking at with all the different colors. Yeah. I like it that they're strapped into their chairs. I like that chandelier. Ooh, I do yeah. too. I would have that in my house. I would yeah. Okay. We got she's really like, I don't know him. Yeah, she, yeah. She's like, she's like, I don't know him. Spock, Spock, who? I have yeah. no clue. <laughs> also, agree. I like how Kirk's just having a really weird day. <laughs> he's very, very frustrated today. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, Shatner is. He's, 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 he's approaching the overacting in this episode, no doubt. There you go, Morg and I, Morg. This is a very purple room. No kidding. I like purple, but that's not a particular purple I like. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't dislike it, but meh. I like that purple behind her. I like the that rocks. purple. Yes, the rock. Okay. That's my purple. Keep that in mind for our subterranean lair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this room, this room needs beanbag chairs and lava lamps. Yeah, it's just crying out for in a curtain, a hanging bead curtain. 
<clears throat> it makes you wonder what of the stuff from now will look goofy, you know, 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I always think that when I watch home renovation shows yeah. and they always think, oh, this is from the 90s or the 70s. <laughs> Whoever thought this was good and they strip it all and they do something totally new that's timeless and will last. And you're like, <laughs> right now, 15 years from now, people will think this looks just as stupid as you thought the stuff from the 70s looked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we get very excited when we find cool retro stuff hidden under the layers of green paint in our house. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> We serve controller. You know, this is very like Angel One from season one of TNG. Ugh. Matrix. Oh, what? The Matrix. Angel one? Yep. Yeah, That's not one of my faves. Show. Come on. <laughs> Let's do that one. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, we can do that one. <laughs> the matriarchal society where the, the men are the secondary, the, the less dominant. Right. And the women control everything. Not that it not necessarily shouldn't be that way. I'm just Riker made do. And, well, of course. Yeah. It's <laughs> like Kirk. He was in his element. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is just one of the weirdest scenes in Star Trek to me. I, I'm not really sure what he's trying to do here. I mean, I know what he's trying to do, but it's just weird. And then he's pretending to be sub, so, um, to um, be in a position of supplication. Then he gets pissed off at her and starts snapping at her again. <laughs> He's having a weird day, you know. You're right. I, I think that's a good way to say it. Oh, oh not again! <laughs> now he's over. Oh my gosh, he's overacting. It's oh painful. my gosh, I had forgot it was that bad. It's interesting how she presses the same button, but it only affects the people she feels like it it should affect. <laughs> but everyone's wearing the same belt. Yeah, true. Oh, you know, that's a good. It point. only affects outsiders. Maybe it's telepathic or something. Right. <laughs> she she put a little thing on each one of them when she was on the bridge. I'm going to spend this whole episode defending Spock's brain. <laughs> I don't mean to. Someone's <laughs> got to. Come on. There you go. They are they. They're still sunning, uh, uh, warming their hands. That's funny. Keith, how hot is a glowing red rock? Man, that thing is to your point. That's got to be like seven hundred degrees or something. Well, Five, six, seven hundred degrees. That's like pizza oven hot. And the pizza oven's like seven hundred degrees. So you're right. Their hands are awfully close to that thing. <laughs> if they're only using it to warm their hands and not cook a pizza, <laughs> where's Riker? They are not thinking on the level of a Starfleet officer. Okay, now that would be a great episode of Lower Decks, Alan. A gate scene where you heat up a rock and next thing you know, you look, they're cooking the pizza on it or something. (laughs) I could see them doing that too. Yeah. Big dude. Yeah, he turns up a lot. (laughs) You get to where you recognize him, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I love looking at the close-up of the the three uh, communicator props and how kind of beaten up and, you know, bent and not uniform they are. Yeah. They made that little joke there about the delightful aspects of the society. It's funny, you guys, um, and I think Noah mentioned this when we were talking to him, how there was always like the same handful of actors that they just used over and over again because that's what was there yeah but now they'll just like have auditions for to find the person they think fits this part that is going to have five minutes on screen yeah 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 like watching 60s tv is like watching canadian tv or like (laughs) vancouver tv yeah, that's true. There were those, there's that run in the like 90s, 2000s where you're like, oh, this is made in Vancouver because I know <laughs> that guy from four other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everybody. I, li- Star- I like that though. Yeah. Um, the guy who played Apophis in uh, Stargate SG1 ended up on a, a detective show as a cop. Hmm. I remember. And uh, Lexi Doig, I think, who played Andromeda, the actual yeah. Android Andromeda. She's all over the place, Stargate SG1 and everything else. Yeah. Now back to talking to Spock.
I guess if they get hungry, they can always eat the little jello mold on their belt <laughs> with the cherry on top. Now that, speaking of that, that prop is one of those things that in once the film and stuff is cleaned up, it looks a lot goofier than it did back in the day because I couldn't see the details that oh, sure. back in the day <laughs> on television. And, and, you know, that's, you know, people always uh, dog on Doctor Who and the, especially mm -hmm. the about the bad sets and the special effects and stuff. But that stuff was never intended to be seen on right. high def television. Absolutely. You know, it was only made for grainy black and white TV sets in the 60s. Yeah. Well, like and the picture get, would you roll can, from time to time. You, you can know? get away with a lot more in that setting. Yeah. 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 So high def does no favors to some of the stuff. That's true. You know, uh, to, your, <laughs> to, to your point, um, Shatner, he, you know, he's having a bad day, but he, it's weird because you can see he's a good actor, but you can also see it's like he's just went one step over. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just he was directed that way. Probably. But also, I mean, third season, they had a lower budget, which means you have less rehearsal time, less filming yeah. time. Everything's move, move, move. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, a lot of times, you know, having an extra day on set is yeah. big. Yeah, that's a good point. Veronica, what were you cackling about? I, I was I was cackling about the fact that he's like, no, he 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 can't replace my brain. I don't I, I don't trust him that much. <laughs> he can remove a splinter from my finger, but he can't put my brain back in. Yes. <laughs> well, it's box logical. Like, there's no way. Right. That's a very yeah, complicated like procedure. Yeah, the light McCoy is dry. Well, thank you. When was the first organ transplant? I feel like that would have been. You know, not too long before this. That's, That's a good point. point. Yeah. I want to say the wasn't the first heart transplant around this in the 60s, Christian Bernard in South Africa. I, I almost want to say it was during this uh, time period. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it was in the 50s. 50s. Oh, okay. okay. So not all that far distant in the past. No. Although skin had been transplanted back in 1869. Interesting. Isn't that? Yeah. So a, a kidney <laughs> 1954 is did, where it all started. And did that transplant tease the captain come get it back? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this set also reminds me of the underground caverns and um Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of the episode. Um, what little girl's made of? Well, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to expect to see um, Ruck running around the corner. And you think I would about love it, if Ruck ran around the corner. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Be great. Yes. <laughs> I would have this episode up a lot. And you know what? If you think about it, Ruck had on kind of a lavender, purple, pinkish outfit. Yeah. So he's probably standing right there and you just don't see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he blinks and you see his eyes. <laughs> Well, you know, it, they could have tied it together. They actually could have said this is a, a place that the old ones had built. Yeah. There we go again. But Veronica, to your point, sometimes some reason this time it's not instant knockout. Yeah. She must well, she must have done the light setting. It's different. Yeah, exactly. It's different degrees. It's quite painful though. <laughs> but they still end up on the floor, as you see. This is the fourth time now they've been on the floor. And this is where Shatner, oh my God, talk about overacting. You look at this. He is selling it. But you know what? He looks like he's climbing against a, a rainstorm or a water or something, the way he's struggling. You know, you now, can't say that he was phoning it in, though. <laughs> Shatner doesn't half, half, halfway do it, you know? No. Shatner is committed to the yes. Okay, and Charles, here we go about the remote. How does the remote control a hand and a finger? <laughs> I don't know. It's got six buttons. Look okay, at this. You are, stop. You were overthinking it. <laughs> I know, I know. Go with it and enjoy it. Oh, there goes the bell. Pew, pew. <laughs> I love the sound effects. <sighs> oh, my gosh. You know when they said cut, Nimoy was probably laughing his butt off. I, I think I have forgotten how much he literally just has to stand there. And show no emotion. Either laughing or calling his agent. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I love this. When you control is young and powerful, and Spot goes, "Why, thank you." How very flattering! <laughs> I love that. 
You know, Veronica, now that you brought it up, I don't think I realized the show had this much purple. Was this even original? <laughs> My goodness. What in the world? Maybe the original aliens who built the place could only see purple. It's interesting that they have the room tinted purple and she is also in purple. Yeah. I mean, it's it, not like she blends in or anything because her purple is is very like well, they would do that a lot on know. the original series is sort of paint the walls yeah. with color. Right. Yeah. Because right. you didn't have the budget to right. you know, have elaborate walls or highly detailed walls. I always Doug Kirk's uh, sideburns, that little point that he has. Yeah. I don't know if you know the um, you know the lecturer and astronomer Neil deGrasse Tyson. He has this he keeps his sideburns cut like that as a tribute to uh, Star Trek. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. He has little points on his sideburns, and it goes back to yeah. Star Trek. Well, they did that yeah. all the way up through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it? Did Enterprise do it as well? I know through. I don't think so. Yeah, because Enterprise was a prequel. They hadn't got that technology yet. That's that's how you know it's set beforehand because they don't yes. sideburns that way. <laughs> now, from a distance, I swear that looked like a, it looked like half of a bowling ball. The green thing that that was sitting on, it looked like a bowling ball. And talk about taking advantage of that your might props. be a bowling ball. That might be a bowling ball. <laughs> yes, that's a very strong possibility. Absolutely. <laughs> or it might be one of the Sargon nodules. Oh yeah, repainted. Again, you got to give them credit because really, if you look at this stuff, is looking kind of silly, but they do sell it. That that thing on the controller is from Sargon. It is. From all our yesterdays. You're right. And I, I do like this. Oh, Return scene. of Tomorrow. I said all our yesterdays. That's a ah, yeah, Return of Tomorrow. I do like the scene. I like the music and I like the kind of drama of it. It's from a science fiction point of view, it's actually kind of cool to look yeah. at this, you know, programming someone's brain this quickly. That's yeah, cool. It doesn't come together because it's a little too absurd, but it's fun all the way through. Right. And I've seen this actress, I forget her name, up to you guys' point. I've seen her on a lot of westerns and stuff back in the day because everybody was working. She's a, and it's, I love the way her voice and her bearing changes just like that. Oh, yeah. She's a different character. Yeah. She drops the girly voice. Mm hmm. Scotty's not sure about this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could tell. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. That was gracious. And there's a... I love it when she, she, she uh, pulls this on Kirk here. This is so funny to me. Whoop. Where was she hiding that all this? <laughs> and then it's set to get <laughs> and coming up, one another funny moment in the show. This is so it's so strangely funny what Scotty does to distract her. <laughs> it's a, fan, it's a fan dance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how he came up with this. Hey, somebody's got to make a move. Right. Yeah, it's just so funny to me. What if she actually squeezed the trigger out of the surprise? <laughs> right. <laughs> What? It's, well, it's basically saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or yeah. the yeah. one. Here we go. Look at him. Here he goes. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Scott. Yeah, wasn't it though? <laughs> Should never see this coming. <laughs> I don't think I would have either. Now Scotty's mug. That'd be just enough time. Really? Three hours. Okay. You know, I never thought about this before, but uh, she's holding the gun. Scotty's the one who does the fainting thing to distract. Yeah. That's a total gender role reversal. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually yeah. the woman's job is to do the faint to mm -hmm. distract the male guard 
or or you know the one who's threatening you with a gun. That's really interesting. He could have done anything at all, but they had him take that very in this sort of like role reversal society. They had him take that yeah that typically, especially for this period of time, female action. I think that's yeah. really that's really surprising. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Where I got caught up in it. Yeah. So it's funny. It's one of these episodes where even as a kid, when they get to points like this, it's one of the things that always reminded me of when they, they uh, introduce really cool technology and you never see it again, because McCoy here talks about the fact that he might be able to retain the knowledge and write it down. But of course he didn't. And you always think, well, you always think, well, they should send scientists back and, you know, I don't know, let them take it one at a time and write down everything real quick and, you know, bring another guy in. The second contact team. Right. Yes. Yes. There you go. Good call. <laughs> now I want them to follow up on this in lower decks. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All the ensigns have to take turns putting their head in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> that would and be since, amazing. And since they said they're not sure how it works on alien brains, it'd be funny if a whole lot of them just get lobotomized from it. You know, like, whoop, that one didn't work. <laughs> they have to go to the farm now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although you know, in universe, there's nothing to say that they couldn't written have they couldn't have written somewhere that some of the technology the Federation gets later came from this place because you would sure. assume they'd send a research team in yeah. addition to a sociology team. Mm-hmm. And I actually like this scene. This is a pretty cool scene. I like Especially anything the Forrest Kelly does. Yeah, a child could do it. <laughs> He's got such intense eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so rare to see eyes that are so light colored. Yeah. Because almost everyone has brown or green. And even the mm-hmm. green ones are darker green. Yeah. That's what that's what made Jeffrey Hunter so one way so unique as a captain, because he had those magnetic eyes, those, those, those um, kind of yeah. bluish eyes. And so it gave an intensity to everything he did. Hey, he's not wearing a mask. Well, he's got the glowy light. <laughs> oh, the sterile feel, right? You're right. Yeah. That's right. They do have a sterile feel. They do say. He's not okay, gloves now, on either. <laughs> okay, Alan, to answer your question, at this point in time, even as a kid, I had to give up on trying to logic this show. I knew there would be a point. <laughs> I just couldn't get, like, look at that. Half his head is sticking through a hole in the wall. I, I had to give up. <laughs> There's no sheets. There's no pan for blood runoff. And Scotty's just sitting back there ch- checking it out. I don't know why Scotty's on the other side looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> and why he's not thinking at this point. <laughs> Good point. Although to give some seriousness to the show, if you want to look at the one of the things this does point out is a common Star Trek theme is this is yet another planet like the planet with, um, with Landru and the planet of the Apple. This is such a theme in Star Trek where an incredibly advanced civilization did what I think Roddenberry was saying you shouldn't do. They relied on technology and machines and computers to run society. And in every one of these treatments, the society ends up failing or faltering because they rely on technology instead of what I guess we would just call good old human ingenuity. Yeah. And then inevitably they forget how to use the machines of their ancestors. Right. Exactly. You're right. The Telosians, the people of the Apple were childlike because the computer did everything. The people of the feeders of all the people of Landru, same thing. You had a computer running everything Uh, for the world is hollow. And I have touched the sky. Same thing, a computer. And they always show that these computers or this mechanical system, it gets locked in one path. They can't think their way out of it. And so you always need Kirk to come away and either confuse the computer or just blow it up. But this was the era where, you know, computers were the enemy. They were the ones that take away jobs from real people and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And and so it's not necessarily like the the Luddite movement, you know, a century earlier, but it's it's not far removed from that, where people saw computers as a threat. And Doctor Who did the same thing in the sixties, particularly in the in the Patrick Troughton years. Mm. Oh, he did. No, I never, I never watched Doctor Who back in those days. Okay, well, you need to get on that. Yeah, especially <laughs> Trouton. Assignment. <laughs> okay. After you watch Picard. Okay. Yes. 
It's you know, to your point, Alan. Another thing that was such a huge theme back then was not just um, um, technology taking over. Um, I've listened to many podcasts and people argue some of the points. When you look at things like um, um, this side of paradise, where the other thing that that show always said was that humans must always struggle. And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I've heard a lot of people nowadays analysis say, actually, why? You know, some people I've heard people say, I'd like to be on the planet with some happy spores where I don't have any illnesses and I'm just chilling all day long. But that was a thing back then, too. You know, it was pretty much, especially in those days, men must be men and you must go out and challenge and conquer to be worth anything. Well, sure. But you don't grow or you don't evolve if you're not challenged. Yeah. You just stagnate. I mean, and the, the greatest lesson to be learned on that subject is the wonderful movie Wally, yeah. <laughs> where you have a whole society of these people who were fat and lazy and, you know, sit yeah. around on chairs and are completely childlike. Part of it too was the adults of who are making Star Trek, making you know they don't want the kids to follow along with this hippie movement. You know, well, that's <laughs> good point. Don't, don't that's just true. sit around smoking weed. Go out there and be a man or woman. You know, and right? also. And also, everybody in the Star Trek days these were these were the these were the people from World War II, yeah, and Vietnam. Well, Vietnam was going on World War II and Korea and stuff. You're right. So these were the people. Like my parents were both of my parents were born in 1925, and they were all about work and not being lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandma was born in 24. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my grandmother was born in 1901. Wow. wow. I mean, she was around f- from the Wright brothers all the way through space shuttles. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And that's why, too, like, by the 60s, you know, like, like you say, it's been like 50 years you go from the Wright brothers to walking on the moon. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, 10 years from now, I'll be on Mars. 10 years after that, Alpha Centauri, no problem. You right. Know? <laughs> okay, one last time, Alan, I do have to say this. My seven, eight-year-old self said, hey, his hair. That's understandable. <laughs> and no blood. You know, she's lost it. So he starts babbling on about her. <laughs> and then, of course, they do the standard 60s thing where you always have to laugh at the end of an episode. Yes. Right. You have to tell a joke. This was that was weird. Sometimes there are episodes like um, Operation Annihilate where Kirk's brother and sister-in-law die, and at the end of the episode they're laughing. Yeah, because Spock got a sight back. I mean, it, sometimes it was really weird when they had to end an episode with jokes. This one it's okay, but sometimes it's really it's kind of strange. Yeah, that's sort of the downside of episodic. That yeah, you know, you gotta you can't leave everybody on a bummer at the end of the episode. You know. Right. Yeah, but there are some. I will say I do love the planet surface in that rendering. That looks mm. great. That looks mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Did, did anybody ever see the 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 short lived TV series Police Squad? Yeah, you talking about the the one that Naked Gun was based on? Yeah. Yeah. They used to they used to joke end of every episode. They used to do that laugh. They they just do a just stupid <laughs> scene and they laugh and then they'd all freeze and then they'd always do something where somebody would start moving because the film wasn't frozen. They were just pretending to be frozen. So <laughs> they used to do that all the time. They lampooned that at the end of Lower Decks as well in the first episode where the bridge crew makes a joke <laughs> and walk out. <laughs> yeah. then, they, then you stay there with the like, hey, what yeah. this guy saved everybody. What are you doing? So Veronica, what did you think of Spock's brain? Um, I remembered parts of it, and I did not remember most of it. No, no, not not the episode. His actual brain. Oh, <laughs> I never saw it. So apparently, it's awesome because you can take it out and put it in a computer and put it back in again. So it's very durable. It's very versatile. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, having sat through that, the next episode is. Enterprise isn't it? Can't we just stay and watch that too? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. reward for sitting through this. That's a good that one. <laughs> <laughs> one. One one last comment I'll make on this is as a Charles, I see you have the screen frozen there. I still think that Star Trek, the original series, has the best after show credits with all the just, just the great scenes they show from different episodes. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they show Baylock from the Corvermite maneuver and this great scene of Kirk in, in the Enterprise incident. Uh, they they just they had some great scenes to show. Yeah, sometimes cut scenes that weren't even in episodes, and you'll get like the yeah. yeah. That's the interesting thing to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, the alien from um, Spectre of the Gun, an episode I really don't like, but I love that alien, that glowing alien. Yeah, um, the Melcott. Yeah, yeah. So great stuff. Well, that was fun, guys. That was. Um, yeah. If if, if if people want to hear more about what you think of Spock's brain, Alan, where can they find you on the internet? Well, not that they'll find me talking about Spock's brain very often. <laughs> um, uh, my publishing company, CosmicPress.com. Uh, Hulanta.com, the uh, Doctor Who convention that um, we will be running virtually on May 29th, and my YouTube music show Sunday nights. You can find me on Facebook Live. Hey, and how about you, Keith? You find me on Facebook, primarily on the ESO network groups and on Instagram. How about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. That's right. Star Trek puppets. Yeah. And others. <laughs> yeah. Nerdy cool. puppets. All right, Veronica, did you prepare a tagline to go out on? Yeah, what we got? Oh, I thought you were going to make Keith do the impressions. <laughs> and that was going to be the ending. All right, Keith, you oh, want to do an impression of Janeway? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that one. Okay, I'm going to do a quick one. Coffee black. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.